Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome to This Week in Production, the podcast. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and this is episode 43. Before I get to this week's topic, I want to encourage you to send me your comments and feedback. Please email thisweekinproduction at gmail.com or call me on my Google voicemail. I'm not going to answer, but it's it's a voicemail box that you can leave a message. 601-564-TWIP, T-W-I-P, 601-564-8947. Like I said, I'd love to hear from you, comments, suggestions, good, bad, or whatever. You want to yell at me? You want to tell me I suck? Please, I welcome it. Okay, let's get back to this week's topic. I'm going to take credit for a few things that have made my life immensely better, even though they were completely circumstantial. Around the end of the year, I bought a Peloton for the family to use so we could work out at home. In hindsight, that was a very smart move. In February, right before I left for Alaska, I decided to upgrade my fiber circuit from 50 by 50 to 500 by 500. Again, In hindsight, brilliant move. So I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back because I woke up this morning and I did a workout on the Peloton and I took a shower, which is not something I do every day these days. And I got to say, it makes a world of difference in your outlook for the day. So I might have to go back to everyday showers. Not sure. Last week on episode 42, I was speaking about live streaming and some of the behind the scenes processes and software and hardware that I'm using to do my work. A couple of things this week that touch on live streaming, but also on remote workflow that I thought I would talk about. This is a new era of remote production work for me. Some of this is live streaming. Some of it is the phrase that I heard in a webinar was remote content acquisition. So I've been looking at a few ideas to do remote content acquisition. One of them is using Zoom. I have a corporate client who's doing content creation over Zoom. I'll record the Zoom session, including a 1280 by 720 gallery view and a 640 by 360 speaker view. And I'll save those files and I'll edit them as a multicam in a 360 timeline. It's low res. And it doesn't look great, but people seem to be accepting of the quality to get their message out. But I'm looking for better ways to do it. I spoke last week about Mimo and how I can use their web RTC client, which is an open source uh, communication protocol. And I can use that to capture audio and video and send return video down to the client over the web. The problem is that a lot of corporate firewalls block those URLs. That's why Zoom became the A plan originally. But I'm looking for ways to do better quality. About a month ago, a friend of mine, you know him from previous podcasts, Mr. Lou Lita, 
from Digital Video and Consulting, he sent me an email about a company called OpenReel. And he said, hey, have you seen anything about this? So I checked it out because I'd never heard of them. And they have a very interesting platform. It's what they call in the business a SaaS model, where it's software as a service. And their service is basically a way to remotely record and control an iPhone. And the idea is that you put the iPhone, you down, the idea is that you download their capture app, you send them a URL, they connect through the app, and through this web-based dashboard, myself as a director can control the white balance, the aperture, the, uh, the tone, the hue of the camera, and I can lock it in. It'll let me stream that back a la Zoom so up to four people can be presenters and have a conversation and see and hear each other. And then up to four more can be uh, what they call collaborators, which can speak, but they don't get recorded and they're not seen. And the idea is that this is made for not, not really live streaming, even though it is streaming within the parameters to the participants. It's not meant for wide distribution. It's meant for quote unquote, high quality capture. And the way it does this is that it records in the phone's native format at their phone's native resolution, a video file, which then uploads in the background automatically to their server. It sounds great because you get the benefit of the real-time collaboration, but you get something that's better than a, you know, low resolution streaming image. The phone, depending on which model it is, might record up to 4K video. So iPhone 11 can do 4K. You can do 24 frame. You can do all these things that don't really work in the streaming game. So the idea is that you get your presenter to connect with his phone. Hopefully you have a good quality microphone. You talk to him over the interface and you direct him and he records or she records their pieces and then it uploads at the native recording format of the phone plus a proxy because they say if you're doing 4k it's a bigger file it might take longer to upload and then you get the files you edit them and it looks better than a webcam which i would agree with most times that the webcams are not as good as the iphones now some iphones are limited if you have an older iPhone, it might only be 720, it might only be 480. So you have to be careful about which model you use. I did a Zoom conference with them and I saw the software, they walked me through it, it seems great. The only, there's two concerns I have with the platform. The first one was that they want you to pay upfront for the first year. They have two tiers. They have a $6,000 tier and a $12,000 tier. And the $6,000 tier is a little limited and it can't be what they say expanded, though it seems limiting to do that. So they wanna sell you the $12,000 tier. It initially seemed, okay, worth it. 
I have all these projects to do and it seems like it's the right way to go. I did another demo with my client to make sure that they would be comfortable putting the app in front of their executives. And it, it seemed good. We did a demo that I asked them to send me the files and then here's where it got tricky. So we recorded two files from two cameras, my end and my client's end, and they sent them to me via the portal. These were native files. So he was on an iPhone 11, which was a 1080 file in HEVC, 30 frames per second. My file was from an iPad, 720p, H264, MP4. The two files, you could start them in sync, but one of them would drift 16 frames out over the first 35 seconds of the clip. I tried it a million times, tried it a million ways, played with frame rates, played with the encoded file, the original file. So I went back to them and said, hey, um, look how far out this is after only 35 seconds. It's, it's not really working. And it was like I heard crickets, no response. And then a few days go by and then I get a response after I sent a second email and they say they'll look into it. And then two days have gone by and I've not heard. That's one of my fears about paying up front for this kind of service. The other problem is if I pay up front and we use it for three months and then things get somewhat back to normal, I'm not sure I'm going to recoup the rest of my money by doing jobs with this platform. So potentially like it could work. I mentioned that we were doing these, these image captures using zoom and then editing them together as a multicam shoot. And then I would air them on LinkedIn or YouTube or whatever social platform the client wants as what I call a look live. It's edited content that is streamed as live on various platforms. That's been a lot of what I've been doing these days. My client said to me their organization is considering another platform called Social Live. Social Live is this SaaS cloud-based app that tries to make web streaming easy, including what they consider multicam production. Again, it works with an iPhone app and you bring the streams in. It has a couple of switching templates. It's all web-based and I've seen it in a couple of demos on the web, not a live demo from the company. So I'm not sure it does everything that I would expect it to do as a live stream producer, but they seem big on this because it makes it simple. They probably want to do it themselves and not pay, you know, outside vendors to do the work. I think this could work under some circumstances, but as we all know, live streaming is a little tricky. And when you're putting non-production people potentially in charge of the live stream, it could get dangerous. So I have to explore more into this, but these are things that are being thrown into my universe and I'm not sure how to react. I was on another webinar. Seems like I spent a lot of my days watching webinars from other companies. There's a company out of New York called LiveX, which does live streaming and 
digital media stuff. This particular webinar was pretty interesting. It was Wowza with workflow techniques to do live streaming. Now I've used the Wowza streaming engine as a cloud service. They also sell it as a hardware appliance and they have various other ways to use it as a local desktop server. We use Wowza streaming for the Iditarod stuff and it's kind of this, the, it's considered the standard for streaming platforms. So they were showing, LiveX was showing ways to use Wowza in conjunction with other technologies for that remote content acquisition. I've been using Mimo Live and to some degree Wirecast, which I spoke about in the last episode, to do WebRTC. WebRTC is a real-time communication protocol. Basically, it lets a web browser take control of the camera and the microphone that are attached to the system. It'll stream that back to the host without a lot of configuration. And then it'll send a return picture from the host back to the client so they can see the program mix. It works really well. It's not the best quality, but it's certainly the easiest to use, except it doesn't get through the corporate firewall. Hence the need for Zoom or these other platforms like OpenReal. So I've been looking at some other solutions. SRT is a protocol that seems to be gaining some momentum. It stands for Secure Reliable Transport, and it's another protocol that's meant for low latency streaming. And I think its claim to fame is that it gets through tricky networks without much difficulty. I haven't used it myself, although I bought a Teradek Bond backpack, which is a HEVC encoder, but it also supports SRT. And that backpack can stream over cellular, over four cellular modems using bonding uh, to the Teradek cloud service. I can use SRT with that backpack, but I haven't tested it myself in a production. But I'm gonna look into that. Another interesting development this week popped up in my email. I got an email message from the product manager of Wirecast, which is owned by Telstream. Telstream's a big company. And the email basically said, hey, I'm Lynn blah, blah, blah from Telstream. I'm the product manager for Wirecast and I'd like to talk to some customers about their experiences. Email me back if you would like to schedule a meeting. So I was very interested, I replied right away. But to my surprise, I was able to schedule a meeting two days from the email. I scheduled a meeting, which happened to be yesterday, with the product manager. Wasn't sure what to expect, didn't know if it was gonna be a group, Un unclear. I connect to Zoom and lo and behold, it's the product manager in her house on Zoom with video on. I had audio on, I didn't even have a camera hooked up. And we had a very candid and frank conversation about what I liked and didn't like about Wirecast. And I, I do have a love of the software, but also a hatred in some ways. And I've mentioned in other podcasts that I'm trying out 
other platforms, other systems, other software to get the resources I need to do live streaming, one of those being Mima Live. At times, she was apologetic. She understood what I was saying. She understood that there might be issues with a company as big as Telestream to fix bugs and things like that. But I left the call with a very positive impression of her and her commitment to fix the product. And that is something that was a pleasant surprise. I don't know where it'll go, but I hope that there's good things in store for Wirecast going forward. The other little project that I've been working on this week is sort of a pet peeve of mine with the live streaming. We've all seen the good, the bad, and the ugly with the way reporters, TV stations, and even just your friends on Zoom. You know, there's always a problem with the audio. There's always a problem with the lighting. And the biggest pet peeve of mine is that the eye line to the camera is terrible. It's too high. It's too low. They're looking over it. They're looking under it. They're looking to the right of it. And it's frustrating. And there's not a good solution that's readily available for most people. I think the perfect case scenario would be to put the camera in the middle of the display. And then you just look in the middle of the display and that's your eye line. But I don't think that exists yet. So in my studio, I've been experimenting with a kit that I could send out to clients that would be small enough and easy enough to use, but still give a good look and a good eye line. And the system I've come up with is basically a GH5 on a pro prompter mount. And that is a small 12 inch teleprompter with an iPad as its screen. It still has the mirrored glass and it, it mounts like a regular teleprompter on 15 mil lightweight rods. So I have the GH5 behind the prompter and I have my iPad in the tray. And on the iPad, I can put Skype or Zoom or the WebRTC source of my guest in the prompter. So when I do an interview, maybe for the TWIP podcast, I can look straight into their eyes through the prompter and the eye line is 10 times better than any other solution I've come up with. So I think that's going to be a good solution for clients of mine that need something a little better than the phone, the Zoom, the webcam. It's a small enough kit that I could ship in a Pelican and the whole thing could be set up pretty easily on a small tripod or in my studio. I've repurposed my Triad Orbit mic stands. If you haven't seen these, they're amazing. I fell in love with them a few years ago at NAB when I first introduced to their company. These stands have a weighted base, like the legs are weighted and they're adjustable and the hardware is top quality. And they make all kinds of attachments for iPads and microphones and lights now and cameras. And it's quite a ecosystem now. And they are simply the best stands that I've used for things like this. So this is in my studio. I'm testing it out. I did a quick test with Tom Chartrand of Shoreline Media, who you know from the podcast. And it seems like it's going to be a good solution. Do you have something to say? 
drop me an email at thisweekinproduction@gmail.com, at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on This Week in Production. Thanks for listening.